Joe, yeah. I don't have a clever opening, but I am amazed at how many Ice Age films there are. Yeah, well, like we were saying uh, 30 seconds before we started, um, I think... So what was the one before the Buckwild one? Okay, is that the new one? Yeah. So there's Ice Age. Yeah, I've seen it. Ice Age The Meltdown. I've seen that one so many times. Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs. I might have seen that once. Ice Age Continental Drift. Okay. Ice Age Collision Course. I know I haven't seen that one. Yeah, I was a senior in high school when I came out, so. And then, or maybe a freshman in college. And then uh, there's two streaming films. Okay. Adventures of Buck Wild is the first one. Yeah. And that's this year. And then the, the seventh one has not been announced, or when it will come out, but it's been announced that it will exist. Then, of course, there's the short films Gone Nutty, No Time for Nuts, Surviving Sid, Scrat's Continental Crack Up, Scrat's Continental Crack Up Part 2, Cosmic Scratus, Scrat. Scratastrophe and Scrat spaced out. And then two television specials, Ice Age of Mammoth Christmas and Ice Age the Great Eggscapade. And then there's Scrat Tales, which is a short series to be produced by Blue Sky. It comes to Disney Plus. Footage was later leaked to YouTube. The series will be coming in 2022 after Buckwild. Um okay. So that's coming. There's a TV show on its way. Because apparently this franchise is still profitable. I think the same thing every time I see a Minions or a Despicable Me movie. I don't know how that stuff is is profitable. Also, Simon Pegg voices Buck Wild. I guess so. Notice Ray Romano and John Leguizamo. Is that, I've never known how to pronounce his name. And Dennis York. They aren't in the new one. They're, they replaced them. <laughs> They're probably all dead. Just kidding. Ray Romano's not dead. He just hasn't done anything since Ice Age. Ray Romano... No, no, no. He was in the he was in the Martin Scorsese movie. Yeah. What was it called? Not the not uncut gems. Um, That's uh, the Slave <laughs> Two Brothers. You know the um, the one about Jimmy Hoffa. Mafia Brothers Two. Yeah. The, what is it? What was it? The Irishman. Yeah. He was in that. Ray Romano cracks me up though because he was like one of those guys, one of many who in the late nineties and early two thousands got their own show because. It was post Seinfeld, and so that's whatever. But every, so comedian every comedian got their own shows. show. You did the Drew Carey show. You, you just had all of them. Martin Lawrence show. Yeah, you, it was just called Martin. And then you had, uh, uh, but he, I think he had the Martin Lawrence show too. And then you had, um, of course, Dave Chappelle and all those guys a little later. But yeah, but Ray Romano was a guy who was a successful stand-up comedian. He got a TV show, and then he did a voice for a funny character in the early two thousands on an animated kids movie and disappeared from the face of the earth I don't think he's done anything since then until the Irishman in my at least not in my sphere of knowledge good Mm -hmm. pay for those summer homes and get out of the business where are we going to put the theme song I don't know Seth Rogen oh sorry (laughs) hello welcome to my wife on the podcast she just burst in because Seth um, Rogen so I I was telling her about how I was telling her about an episode of Joe Rogan's podcast, <laughs> and she and she thought she was like, "Wait!" And then she, I showed her a clip of it, and she's like, "That's not who I thought Joe Rogan was." And I was like, "Who did you think Joe Rogan was?" And she said, "The guy from Between Two Ferns," <laughs> which I just now I'm just now realizing she thought that was Seth Rogan, <laughs> which that I can I, I can see it. that yeah, I can no, see that Zach Galifianakis looks like Seth Rogan. It was one of the guys. They kind of all look the same. It was either him or that other guy that you said that I was like, "No, that's not him." But oh, who did I say? I don't remember. I don't know. Where are we going to put the theme song in this episode? Right here. Right here.
That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um. <yeah. laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah. Also, Queen Latifah. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. She played the girl name. Okay. Okay. Um. John, what's his name? Leguizamo. Sure. Leguizamo. Simon Pegg. I don't even know who this character is. Who is That's Buck Wild. Who is that? It's Buck Wild. He doesn't show up till Dawn of the Dinosaurs. That's why I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Alright, so anyway. Um, actually, so let, wait, before we... Um, Ice Age. Uh-huh. How, who, who, how is this, this... I have a whole category of movies that I lump together yeah. as like... Post Pixar cash grabs. We did an episode about non Pixar 3D animated movies. We did yeah. a whole episode and we talked about our favorites. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we mentioned Ice Age. I know. We probably talked about these, but but like we focused on the ones we liked, like Over the Hedge and Shrek and, and the mm-hmm. good ones. But there are so many bad ones mm-hmm. that just slip through the cracks and they are insanely profitable. Barnyard. Bar- I forgot about Barnyard. <laughs> I was thinking of Minions. <laughs> the whole Despicable Me franchise. Yeah. The first movie was okay, and they've just taken over cinema. Um, and then they got a... What was the other one I was thinking of? Um, Rio. Yeah, I was thinking Blue Sky. Rio. There were only two of those. Um, and now they're so extinct, far. just like the Blue Macaws. Um, Are they actually extinct now? I think I, I remember I reading think, a news article so. a couple years ago about how the last blue macaw died, or maybe it was that they rescued them from extinction. It was one or the other, but there was a, they made the news again. Um, but what was another one? Man, there was a there's some others that I think. Uh, oh, so there's the middle of the road ones like uh, like Wreck It Ralph. Mm-hmm. It's hard because there's there's all these different studios, and the one Pixar is consistently on top. Uh, yeah. Disney Animation Studios is pretty is also on the top a lot, uh, at least yeah. since Frozen came out. Yeah. Um, but a part of that is just because I think the general populace doesn't understand the difference between that and, and Pixar movies. Yeah. Um, it's all under the Disney umbrella, <coughs> so who cares? Yeah. Star Wars, Marvel, Activision Blizzard. It's all no, that's a different company. But you're basically on the right yeah. track. Look, all I'm saying is there's all these different companies. And Pixar has stayed on top, but but like Sony Animation Studios, what do they make? The Emoji Movie, and uh, hold yeah. on, hold on, Major. Um, oh, they uh, the Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yes, okay, so they're hit and miss, I guess. Um, big hit and big miss. So there's, of course, Disney, Pixar, Dream. Oh, DreamWorks. So DreamWorks, DreamWorks has Shrek yeah. and and all that stuff, and you've got Sony Illumination. They're the terrible ones that yeah. make all the minion crap. Um, Warner Brothers, Blue Sky, Paramount. Okay, so um, what Paramount animation? I don't know that I can think of very many Paramount Paramount animation. Uh, Okay, the SpongeBob movies. Okay, so anything Nickelodeon, Paw Patrol movie, uh, Sonic. Well, that's live action. Bizarre! Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. That is just... They basically just made the Spongebob movies. Paw Patrol the movie, thank you very much. And Monster Trucks. Okay, who makes those terrible nut squirrel movies that are the rip-off over the hedge? You know what I'm talking about. The The Nut Job? The Nut Job. Who makes Nut Job? 
Because those are terrible. I've never seen it. Oh, man. When I worked with first graders, that was one of the movies that the chief, that, oh, 13%. <laughs> Gabriel Iglesias and Jeff, Jeff Dunham. Dunham in the same movie. This is terrible. And Maya Rudolph, Catherine Heigl, Will Arnett, Brendan Fraser. Hey, good this? job on Brendan Fraser for getting work, though. I just wish he wasn't in this movie. I want better for him. Yeah, so Nut Job was just a spinoff. Not, not, sorry, not a spinoff. It was just a cheap ripoff of Over the Hedge, but they did it t- almost 10 years later. So I don't know what they thought they were capitalizing on. And Liam Neeson. Who? What studio did and this? And Sarah Gadon. Good stuff. This is another company entirely. Endgame Entertainment. Entertainment. Distributed by the Weinstein Company. Yeah, talk about some nut jobs, am I right? If you click on Endgame Entertainment, it just links to James D. Stern, a Broadway producer who won a Tony for Hairspray. And then he made nut job. Oh, and he made Stomp! Bro, I always wondered who made Stomp. James did, D. Stern, the guy who made Nut Job. I guess did he? So did he write here? Been nominated for other, as well as a uh, Drama Desk Award winner for Stomp. No, Hairspray was written and directed by John Waters. I knew that. So wait, why? Why is James D. Is he just producing? Who just is the, this? Just guy? The, the film or the is this? Oh, the actual right, Broadway oh, musical. Right, right, right. Okay, okay, okay. So hold on. Based on. Broadway musical of the same name. Nope. John Waters. The musical is based on the movie. I did not know that. So it was a John Waters movie first. John Waters is a he weird guy. Looks ter- he looks like that dude from uh, Gerald's Game. He looks like the movies he makes. <laughs> so anyway, we're not talking about him today. I, I don't know who this guy is. I think this this screams money laundering to me, which is the funniest thing about Stomp growing up, mm-hmm. was I thought these are for sure, these movies are a money laundering scheme. Like, what is this? This is so bizarre. And everybody in America has seen it. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. has seen Stomp. Every kid had to watch that in school. But if you look up, like, there's no box office numbers. It made yeah. like, it didn't even make back its budget. It, it was a flop. It made no money. There was no marketing. There was nothing. And yet, every teacher in America owns a DVD. That is mo- that is mob, mob money right there. And James D. Stern is in on it. He must be. Because he says he won a Tony Award for Hairspray but he wasn't even involved so I don't know <laughs> speaking of uh, movies featuring mafia money laundering he made the diary of Anne Frank sorry go ahead huh speaking of movies that have to do with mafia money laundering we're talking about Lucky Stiff I mean sort of you just told me about this the other day Oh, oh no, no! I no, we're not talking about that today. I don't think we, I don't think we can do that. But yeah, lucky stuff, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, shout out to Jason Alexander if you're listening, Jason. Uh, <laughs> I would love to uh, touch your head. So, speaking of random cinema facts, did you know that the tenth highest grossing movie of 1986 is Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I did know that. Actually. And you know that it's only number ten, and most of the movies above it. I have not stood the test of time, mm. as well as Ferris Bueller's Day Off has. Yeah. You know what number one is? Hold on, let me guess. Mission Impossible. You're close. Wait, hold it was on. Was the Mummy starring Tom Cruise? Oh, no, it, Top Gun. Yeah, Top Gun is a terrible movie. 
and I don't know why it made so much money. Um, army recruiting. Oh my gosh, are you right? Probably. You think the military funded that movie? I absolutely do. <laughs> That's fascinating. I wouldn't be surprised. That was like what, right, right at the tail end of the Cold War. Yeah, it was right after the wall fell. Wait, that might have been the same year the wall. No, that was a couple of years before the wall fell. Fascinating. So right, right before the Gulf War. Yeah, I think they knew that was coming. Look, so yeah, of course they did. Do you think that the military gets mad when people make movies like A Few Good Men that just make people not want to be in the military? You know, that just scare yeah. people. Do you think they just hate Francis Ford Coppola? But I think the uh, the cash grab benefits that they offer college students um, just easily brushes. Actually, they probably don't even get. I bet that even the most twisted war movies recruit some people. Like I bet, I bet like there are weird, twisted people out there. Not not even twisted. I don't know how to put this. Like glory seekers, you know the you know guys that are just like. Yeah. I bet they watch like. Like just Doctor Strange Love, meathead dudes. Yeah, like, yeah. And they watch war. like Doctor Strange Love, and that makes them want to join the army because they missed the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah, Starship Troopers. That's the perfect example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um. Yeah. So that's fascinating. That is a whole other animation studio that makes nut job. That has got to be just. Money laundering. Madagascar. 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 Okay, hold on. Madagascar was also DreamWorks. So DreamWorks is probably the most consistent, or at least the most most consistently present at the box office for the last yeah. two decades. Because after Shrek, they just had a string of hits. They had Madagascar, Kung Fu Panda, um, How to Train Your Dragon... Megamind. Megamind was, is a great film. They also had Shark Tale, which sucks. Um, well, I watched it recently, and I would agree. I actually haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I'm oh, glad man, you agree. It's terrible. But it's then, really funny. Then they made the greatest film of all time with Tobey Maguire, Boss Baby. Featuring Featuring Tobey. Really? Featuring uh, Bobby Fischer. Tobey Maguire had a weird career because it was like early 2000s. He gets cast as Spider-Man and shoots to fame. Yeah. And then he's in <clears throat> Seabiscuit where he meets his wife and he's in that movie Brothers. Mm-hmm. And then that's about the, that's about the span of his Spider-Man career. And then he he's like, well, what do I... And then I think Brothers was a little after. Uh, but, Pleasantville. And he Pleasantville, yeah. So that, that's, all early, that's all peak yeah. career. And then... He moved on to the Bobby Fischer movie, the the chess movie that he Mm -hmm. said he wanted. I watched an interview where he's talking about it. He said he'd been wanting to make it for 10 years. So I don't know if he was involved in writing or producing or what. Interesting. But he said it was like a decade process. And then uh, he was the narrator in Boss Baby and then disappeared until two months ago. So anyway, did you see that video of him laughing at the paparazzi that hit by, yes. by a car? <laughs> I love my favorite thing about the no, <laughs> the no Way Home stuff is that he's in the he's in pop culture again because he hasn't done an interview since Boss Baby came out. He's yeah. just been hiding, but uh, he's fine. I guess since his wife left him, I didn't know that. Yeah, they got married in 07 when Spider Man three came out. It's also when Halo three came out. 
Yeah, he was just addicted to hang up. He, that's probably what it was. No, she left and him. And then in, he had a mental breakdown yeah. whenever they shut down the servers. They got <laughs> no. They she left him in 2016. No. Um, Nine years. And then they didn't divorce. They didn't officially divorce till last year. Well, 2020. That's tough. But anyway, seeing him and doing interviews again, like he was on late night. He did the whole mean tweets thing. Yeah. And then they recently did a. The, there's only one interview I think where they have all three of them together. I don't know if you've seen that yet. It's like a, it's long. But uh, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. But I'm like, I, I like to see him out and about again. It's yeah. kind of fun, laughing at paparazzi. He never has to work again. No. What is his net worth? Let's find out. Toby. Well, I mean, I just can't imagine the the residuals he's probably still getting from the Spider Man from toys with his face on it. Yeah, seventy five million. Jeez, and he's only weeks. five foot eight. He's got me beat. Oh, that's a lot of money per foot. Um, that's just that's a lot of money. Wow. It's more money than PewDiePie. If that's a comparison, I actually don't know if that's true. I have no frame of reference for how much money he has. Um, how much do you think he got paid just for No Way Home? Well, I thought I heard it was like one million. Was it? Like I remember, it's pretty like, low, actually. I know, but I remember hearing in like twenty, yeah, in like 20, twenty or twenty nineteen, twenty nineteen, when they were like having the the rumors that he was disputing yeah. his pay, yeah. and it was like something, uh, something absurd, like twenty five million or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just to spur up rumor. Mm-hmm. If he got paid a million, that's a steep decline. But he was also on screen for like what forty minutes. Yeah. In that interview with all three of them, I thought this was kind of sweet because the guy asked him what was the process of getting involved again, and he said he, you know, he went and met with Kevin Feige or whatever. He said he just got the sense that they really were past, like it was like a. He got a good sense about it. They weren't. It wasn't just like a come on screen and wave goodbye kind of thing or yeah. a cash grabby. It was like they genuinely cared about the character and stuff. So he was like, want to do it. And then they asked Andrew the same question, and Andrew said that he based his decision on what Toby did. He said, "If Toby, he said he was just if Toby did it, he was in, and if not, he's out." That's awesome. That's pretty cool. I respect that. Yeah. Have you watched Tick Tick Boom yet? No. Neither have I. What is that? It's the new Andrew Garfield movie. Oh, I heard about it. I the only thing I knew about it was that it was good and it had him in it. Wait, what's it about? And then I watched it, and I didn't know it was a musical about the guy that made Rent. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I'm never watching. Well, we, me and Megan started watching it, and we got 15 minutes in, and we we're like, "This is how many minutes? Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred. If I had to watch that minutes. movie for a year. Um, back to animation. Hmm. Nickelodeon animation was one that uh, fell like just made a couple movies and went away. Yeah. They made Rango, which is a phenomenal movie. So what What part of it? Was it just Nickelodeon's distribution? that Because they had to have been involved in Spongebob. I think, okay. Hold on. Nickelodeon. I think they were with the originals. Because the two that I saw for that other company were the recent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so they made... Oh, theatrical films. So the Rugrats movie, Jimmy Hard. Hey Arnold, <laughs> hey Arnold the movie, Wild Born. So all these just based on a TV just show. TV show. SpongeBob movies. movie, two thousand four, then Barnyard. 
So the first time they bring, which the first time they branched out into theatrical cinema not based on their properties was Barnyard and then Rango, yeah. and then The Adventures of Tintin. That movie still looks good. It looks amazing. And then Sponge Out Water, Wonder Park, Sponge on the Run, okay. Co-production. So co-production companies. Yeah, that's okay. probably why. They they've had a weird history. Like yeah. they why are Rango and Adventures of Tintin's budgets grouped together? Hundred and thirty five million for both. I wonder if it was like they got a like so much money budgeted yes. for like a project and they or for the year those both came out in 2011 that might have been uh, their okay. yearly animation budget yeah they made those two that's a lot I mean like I mean that's a lot of money but I was gonna say that's not as much money as I thought they no. would have put into either of those movies no Ten, right, both of those movies look incredible yeah that's kind of weird because it's even like like I keep thinking I don't know why I know this number but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had a budget of 94 million dollars and I remember th- thinking about that because for a non that's not a, that was not a blockbuster that yeah. was a a director project right yeah. so like if you're not if you're not a blockbuster director if you're not Michael Bay you generally don't get those budgets even if you're Tarantino he hasn't had many movies with budgets that high because yeah. um, everybody knows his name and people who like cinema and like his movies but he's not a bring in the the kids from around the block kind of thing so. Yeah. Um, that was, I just remember thinking that's a really high budget for that kind of movie and that he was able to swing that with the studio was impressive Yeah, which means that Adventures of Tintin and Rango each cost less than that movie which uh, is weird to me yeah. like that I don't know especially because animated movies generally cost a lot yeah. and bring in a lot um, that's just weird you know why they bring in a lot because you you still have to pay to bring your child in a movie theater. Yeah. It's not like five and under eat free. It's, it's like, like families. Families. If you take your yeah. family to the theater, you got to buy a ticket for everybody. It might be a couple bucks less, but you got to do it. I watched Home in theaters. Home. The, the animated? The alien movie. Okay. I've seen that. And that wasn't worth it. I remember it. nothing. <clears throat> I remember. Did we watch it together? Mm-hmm. I thought we went. Oh, okay. No. I watched it at Heritage Elementary School. Oh. I think me and Noah was Zach Priest. And shout out, throwback, throw it back now, y'all. I remember the starfish. There was like a big starfish alien guy. Sure, maybe. Are you sure that's not monsters versus aliens? Who made that? I forgot about that. I think movie. that was DreamWorks. Monsters versus. See, that's another thing where it, these studios all just watch what Pixar's doing. Hold on. Yeah, DreamWorks. These studios all just kind of watch what Pixar's doing and then steal their ideas. In a, well, I mean, this is clearly a piggyback on Monsters, Inc. success, even though it's a good five, six years after. Mm-hmm. But, you know, same thing with the nut job over the hedge and then, like, uh, oh, what's the other one? Um, after, gosh, what was the other one? After Ratatouille came out. Well, and then Shark Tale with Finding Nemo, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and that one was very close together. Yeah, that was like a year I don't know. Pretty weird stuff. Um, <coughs> I do have one more question before we wrap up this episode. <laughs> yeah. What the heck am I going to title this episode? <laughs> and I have to make a thumbnail. Yeah. I have to make a post. Just do the emoji, the shrugging guy emoji. <laughs> what do I call it? Um, 
I, I have an idea, actually. It's just going to be called Not Qualified 2. That's good. The only problem is you can only use that joke once. <laughs> don't I don't, I don't know if I want to waste it on this. Um, if, if you're listening to this episode and that's not the title, just be on the lookout for a stupider episode in the future. Yeah. And it'll, it'll happen. Um, well, uh, you have a couple weeks to think about it. That's true. What are you talking about? We record these the day before they go up. I think it's funny that the last three episodes we recorded, I'm eating the same cup of ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very cold. No one has reached out, so today's episode went up. Yeah. And I know, that I can see that a lot of people have listened to it, but nobody's reached out yet and said, why didn't you actually talk about Squeak Game? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think most people have gathered their own opinions about it. I think. Yeah. Do you want to finish your thoughts on Squid Game? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> let's do it. Okay, <laughs> is that our, is this the next episode? I'm gonna call. I'm just gonna call this not qualified. To, like to squid. This is gonna be Squid Game Part Two, <laughs> okay. and people are gonna listen and not understand until they get 25 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> we actually are talking this about Squid so Game. So long. Um, all right, Squid Game was okay. It was good. I would say it was good. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. It kept my attention. The premise is great. It's one of those gimmicky things. It's like Hunger Games, yeah. where it's a gim- it's like a it's a gimmicky premise that just kind of pulls you in because yeah. it's it's structured very clearly structured. Same thing, almost like Harry Potter, where it has a, a an episodic structure to it that just works, where you know exactly what to expect, and then when they throw a twist in that, it makes it interesting. You know, yeah. like Harry Potter is oh, he discovers he has powers. He goes to a magical place. And it's his school. So he goes there for nine months and comes back for the summer. Yeah. And each book is one year. So you kind of get that structure built over the course of four books before yeah. they throw a wrench in it. And that's the same thing with Squid Game. It's, they set up, you're playing a childhood game. You die if you lose. And you do that a few times and then they throw a wrench in it. So yeah. all that was really good. Your initial thoughts? Um, I liked it. I, I did enjoy this show a lot. Um, I watched it subbed rather than dubbed. Yeah, I couldn't get over the hammy English. Oh, I didn't even try. I listened to it for like a few seconds on one episode, and I oh yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, me and Austin. I think we watched a sub, and we're like, let's try it with the dub, and we we didn't make it a whole episode. This is it's bad, horrendous. Well, and also, I just want to throw in. Well, no, I'll say I'll save that for when I get to complaints. Yeah. Um, I oh yeah. Overall, I don't really have any complaints. Other than, yeah, well, I guess I'll save that for complaints, too. It, it, overall, it was a really well-made show. I think it was pretty creative in the for the most part. Nice and colorful, pretty yeah, relatively like well shot. Yeah, good, good set design. Um, this isn't a complaint. It's just a, just a note, just something I noticed about it, is ever since Battle Royale came out, was it a Korean film? Yeah, in like 2000 and. Yeah. Whatever. Which kicked off like a lot of things. It was an inspiration for a lot of things. Like Hunger Games was based yeah. off of that. Which ever which since brought that it movie, to the Hunger Games brought it to the West and ruined and, everything. And, yeah, and gave just us Fortnite. Grew up and we just ran into the ground. So and we Fortnite now Fortnite is still being played. Movies, video games, and this show has somehow still managed to cash in on that same concept. I just don't understand how that single idea, which we have seen dozens of times at this point, is still Lucrative. That so that's actually a really fascinating concept. I've thought about this a little bit, uh, and I, I don't have an answer. 
But I really, it does fascinate me because there's a lot of things that just in in pop culture that take off yeah. and completely sweep the public consciousness. Yeah. And and most of the time you can you can see why. It's it's the it works the same way that folklore works in a in a in, and myth, mythology works on a culture, um, like superhero movies for instance, right? Superhero movies completely dominated our culture for the past fifteen years, and yeah. they're still dominating. And you can, good or bad, you yeah, can since Spider Man, yeah, since Spider Man, yeah. but you can see why because yeah. it's a very very base human mythological desire. Yeah, it's that the, the whole Joseph, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Right, it's the hero's it's, journey, and then it's all, and just the idea of a Superman protector. And yeah. It's that whole thing. So, it, yeah. you can get that. You can get it with Westerns, when Westerns dominated the culture in a very different way. Westerns are not really like superhero movies, but but that, again, the, the, uh, the rogue, rough around the edges, but heart of gold kind of guy, right? The guy yeah. who comes into town Saves the girl, uh, the the lone protector who's just a little bit dangerous. You know, that's that's what you want is a guy who's a little bit dangerous. So that that makes sense too, and it's it's also got that mythological all yeah. the way back to like uh, oh, I don't even know like uh, why am I thinking Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, uh, Beowulf, <laughs> Beowulf. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I'm saying though, like uh, or like Odysseus, or like things like that. You get. Um, but battle royales, I don't, I cannot pinpoint what human trait, what part of human nature it appeals to so much. I just, it really is fascinating. I, and this goes for, I legitimately think it goes for just about any kind of cinematic or television concept or or video game concept of you have to have an idea and that idea can branch out into dozens of different subcategories just so whatever like it's just hedging your bets so that you every person can find their one individual thing that they like better than the other one mm. i don't like fortnite i like apex but like there there have been like dozens of others that have branched out and i don't like any of those but they all have their own individual Groupings. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing with like zombie shows. Okay, they, these a... blew up out of as soon as Walking Dead came out. Yeah, zombies was another example I was going to use because zombie movies blew up in the sixties after Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. and they've dominated pop culture since then. Zombies yeah. are huge, just like vampires are huge. Certain monsters are like that, and that's another thing where you can see what it appeals to in the human, like why this is useful, yeah. or why this is. Similar to a mythology for the culture, yeah. you know, zombies—the idea that you can become the, the enemy, losing control of yourself—why that's yeah. so scary and attractive. I get that, and I also think the origin of those things is so ambiguous and so left up to whoever's making it that it's kind of timeless. Like I'm sick of it. Like I'm just I'm done mm-hmm. with zombie, the whole zombie genre. But like, yeah, you, you, you can, can have a manner of different ways that you yeah. can. Oh, these how zombies came about is because of. The and you can swine make, flu. You can whatever. make a lot of different movies, different genres, tell different kinds of stories within the context yeah. of a zombie kind of thing. So, Shaun of the Dead was hilarious. Yeah, movie. there's all these different uh, zombie land. Is another yeah. one. Um, but but you, I just don't get the battle royale thing. But I know it appeals to me in the same way. Like when I read Hunger Games in middle school, it yeah. still it had that weird appeal, and I felt the same thing when I watched Squid Game. Yeah. Something about it is appealing, and I think it's like a, 
man, Colin is going to love this episode. It's like half an hour long at least. Um, it was the same thing where it, it appeals to some part of my brain that likes that concept. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just, I mean, it is a good storytelling tool because you can, it's a really easy setup to get a whole bunch of different diverse characters yeah. and throw them together. Yeah. In a normal story, you don't get to do that. They have to meet. They, it has to make sense. They yeah. have to go on a and, journey. And it's a lot and more effort that you have to put into making them meet again. Right. But in this, you can just come up with the characters, make them as interesting as you want, and it doesn't have to make sense yeah. that they're all in the same place because the whole concept is pulling random people together. Mm-hmm. So, from a storytelling perspective and from a writer's perspective, I get why that would make char- just writing good character stories easier. Yeah. So, maybe that's part of it. But then I think there's also like the. The weird, maybe it appeals to the competitiveness of like human nature yeah. in, in the sense that all these people coming together and you're having to work together and yeah. you're building relationships, but you know that if you're going to live, you're going to have to kill all these people. Like only one of you can live, that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. I wonder if that's what it is, if it's like a survival instinct that it's tapping into. Yeah. I, I also think it, it's it's kind of a... It's an easy attempt at allowing your character to experience development under mm. stress. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's it, every every story yeah, has that. every yeah. But it's but, a good way to ramp up the stakes really quickly. Yeah, really quickly. Oh, how is your character going to fare under these certain conditions? Yeah, and we saw a good bit of that. I think there was some really good development for um, Guy Young. What was his name? Guyung. Guy Guyung. I don't oh, know. Every God. time they said it in the show, it was just it like, sounded you know, yeah, it was like it, two vowels. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, like we, we saw, I think there was some really good development of oh, he's just like a, he's a he's down on his luck and he's like doesn't make good decisions. He's a bad dad. He's a bad dad, but he's a really good guy. Like yeah. he has really good intentions, and you see that played out up until his yeah. breaking point of having okay. to make some very difficult decisions. So then on. let's talk about negatives. Okay. Because that, right. Yeah. I love that. I agree with you. I loved his yeah. character development. They're taking the whole the whole arc is he's a bad dad. Yeah. And he wants to be a good dad. Yeah. He wants to resolve to be with his daughter, be in her life, yeah. and do things the right way, make the right decisions. That's what they built toward the whole time. And then, spoiler alert, show end of the show, last scene, he's yeah. about to get on the plane and go home to his daughter. He's on the phone with her. And he just decides, you know what? No. I'm going to content completely abandon my arc that I've been on for 12 episodes or whatever and just... Leave my daughter. He doesn't get on the plane because he thinks the implication that he's, is that he's going to go after these guys with the island. He's going to put a stop to this. Yeah. Somehow. I don't know how. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard uh, for a lot of reasons. But the main reason is it's just bad storytelling. It destroys yeah. his art. Logically, it doesn't make sense either because he can't do anything. And it also doesn't make sense morally because the people doing the people in the game are all there voluntarily. Yeah. And in his case specifically, they chose, they were let free and chose, all chose to go back. Yeah. So there was no, how can you do this to us? You're so yeah. evil. Which I guess that gets into the social commentary of, of just poverty yeah. and stuff like that and debt. But, but still, on the surface level, they were not coerced to be there yeah. in, in a direct sense. So anyway, that was stupid. And then the only other major complaint I had. Well, you can talk about the old man and stuff because that that was dumb too. But um, the other major complaint I had was just that the dialogue was very on the nose. Like the writing was 
not subtle in any way. Yeah. And I, I watched it subbed, and even re- and I thought maybe some of this is translation. I'm reading the subtitles. Yeah. Um, and it's just clunky and like very direct. Everybody just says the obvious, states the obvious, and says what they're thinking. And then when the English speaking characters show up, like the rich dudes. That is, without a doubt, the worst dialogue I've ever heard in anything. Ever. Oh, it's, it's not good at cringy. all. It's bad. Which, I, I want to grant Grace, because I'm like... I mean, he's making... He, he's a Korean guy. He's making it for, presumably, a Korean audience. In Initially. Yeah. He's, it's a, a Netflix original, so it's like, okay, well, it's going out to mass audiences but it's you know it's not like you can break away from the Korean culture that it's so it's like saturated and it's based right. in Korea so I'm like okay I I don't know how to write Korean characters I don't Fair know enough. even if I were a filmmaker I don't think I would know because I don't think I'm well versed on Korean film but I'm yeah and like but the thing the thing to me did you see Parasite I started it and then I was falling asleep and I was like this isn't a movie I want to yeah. watch while I'm falling asleep so. there's a lot there's a I and I've seen a few Korean, or a few, you know. Yeah. And I feel like in a lot of other movies I've seen, they, it just still was not as clunky as it was in Squid Game. I don't know if that was just the fact that it was a TV show or, or what. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the only other complaint is, um, you already said spoiler alert, the old man twist at the end, it turns out he's behind it he he's been running the entire thing from behind the scenes the entire time and he did it because he was bored and he had money and one if you the difference between somebody with a lot of money and no money is nothing at all you're just you, you don't have anything to do either way it it felt cheap yeah it was cheap and it had no bearing on the story it didn't make it no. make sense as a twist it and was it, a bad twist it retroactively Makes other things not make sense. Makes other things not make sense, but it it cheapened the the feel of, of the, the marble of the marble episode. Yeah, I did. Which I think was the peak of the show. That was show. the best episode in the show, easily. Yeah, and, and it cheapened it. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, which I I do think this is based on my limited experience, but I, I've noticed that a lot about. Um, like Korean shows, Korean stories, and Japanese stories too. Um, they tend to have that a lot. Like yeah. they'll have elements of a twist just for its own sake. It's like yeah, I think subversion for subversion for subversion's sake. Like yeah. they want to make the audience go, "What? I never expected that." But it's it it doesn't always work. Anyway, um, there's a video by. Yurik Salad Bar. Sure. Um, and it's comparing Squid Game to Invincible. Now, I don't know that it's... Because of the memes, and also it happens in like episode one, You, the, there's a twist in Invincible. I'm just, I'm episode one? Well, I mean, like, it's sort of... It happens in episode one, but it's like, oh, like, okay, yeah, obviously this is that. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen it. Do you know anything about it? Mm-mm. He's comparing the twists between the two shows. Verse... Spoiler alert. Here's yeah. all I know about Invincible. I know yeah. that he, the kid is the guy's son, and the superhero is actually a terrible guy. And he's like a... He kind of... Yeah. Yeah. So that happens episode one. You find out, oh, Mr. Superman, Omni-Man, yeah. is 
horrible. Mm. You don't find out why until the last two episodes. Oh, okay. Which is that show is so incredible. Um, but he goes into talking about why the differences between those two shows is so crucial to what makes a good storytelling component regarding subversion of expectation or plot twists in general. With Squid Game, there's nothing that I can go back to earlier in the show that would ever point to the plot no, twist. You could never guess it. It would never deepen the character yeah. development. It would never enrich the plot on a second viewing. It is solely there for subversion's sake. There's another great example of this. It's a, I forget whose video essay it is. It's some film dude on on YouTube. It's a pretty old video now. Um, I'll give out some options. It might be Now You See It. It might be Every Frame of Painting. It might be Josh O'Keefe. It's one of those guys. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I did a video essay on what makes a good twist. Yeah. And uh, the examples he used was the sixth sense, of course, as the yeah. good twist, and then um, uh, now you see me mm. as the as a bad twist. And the difference, because in the net spoiler for both, obviously this the twist in sixth sense is that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. He's a ghost. Yeah. The twist in now you see me is that the Hulk was in on it. Yeah. The Hulk was the fifth horseman or whatever. Yeah. And. There's a lot of differences between those. One, though, you can predict, you can, you could theoretically predict that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. The hints yeah. are there. And that ends up being what the whole story is about. Yeah. The story changes because it inverts the arcs. Now, instead of Bruce Willis helping the Haley Joel Osment, it's the other way around. Haley Joel Osment was helping him the whole time. Yeah. To be at peace, just like he did with all the other ghosts. Haley yeah. Joel Osment is the one helper. It completely. Yeah. Gives a new meaning to the whole story, and if you go back and watch it, it's going to deepen the experience. Yes, that does not happen, and now you see me. <laughs> and it also completely just put just pokes plot holes in everything. It makes no sense knowing that he's in on it the whole time and is the fifth horseman, yeah. and it just comes out of nowhere. You could never guess it. There's no hints. There's not nothing clever about it. It just happens, and uh, so it's yeah, another good example. Yeah, it, it's just frustrating when. There could have been an easier... They, they, you could have put a twist in the show. And it. they even had a decent twist midway through or whenever it happened when you find out, oh, the dude in the mask is the policeman's brother. And they never really follow up. That also didn't... What happened. Yeah, that also didn't affect the plot. And then the guy just dies. And then he just dies. I'm like, you made a plot twist, which is still left unanswered. And I still don't and get you it. Just, you still don't get it. And you decide to go with a completely new plot twist. Which neither of them makes sense. Neither of them improve the show. Or improve the show. It's, I mean, this is a lot of complaining for a show that I liked. (laughs) Would you stick with your original rating? What did I originally Like 40, maybe? Yeah, I mean, probably still keep it there. Like, I I don't have, I'm not like, I'm I'm not making movies. All right, here's three things. You got to pick between these three things. You got to rank them. Okay. Wait. Oh, wait, no, never mind. That's for the next episode. You gotta rank these three things, okay? Mm. Squid Game. Yeah. Halo 4. And the Seattle Mariners. M's would go two. They're in the middle? Oh, I mean, like, out of a hundred. Oh, I was just. <laughs> oh, I get you. Okay, okay. 
Two do you want me to no, 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 no. You do, no, your, your method is better. Okay. Two out of 100, meaning the good um, by our ranking. Okay. No, I get what you're saying. I'm just clarifying for the audience. Well, considering the Mariners are the only team that are undefeated in the World Series, I'd probably put them at two. Um, oh <laughs> I'd probably keep Squid Game at like 40 or whatever I put it originally. Halo 4. 36. All right, it beat out Squid Game. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I've never played it, so. Bye. Bye. <laughs>